Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Father, for the privilege to be in your presence. Lord, we don't take it lightly, the beauty that's before us, Father. To have true family that is this large is rare. We ask you, Jesus, we ask you to speak to us right now. Lord, we'll open your word and we'll dive in and there's nothing that matters more to us than hearing from heaven. We want to be transformed. We want to be renewed. We don't want to see restoration. We want to carry it. And we need your help, Father. So we bow our hearts to you. We posture our hearts that we might receive in Jesus' name. When I'm standing there, I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking, he's doing it. The Spirit of God is doing this work, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I wanted to read something out of Exodus really quickly before technically diving in and getting our group to stand up and say hello, and, and I'll be really brief with that. I'm, I'm only good at reading the Bible. Exodus 33. Yeah. Exodus 33. Uh, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise. And stand each at the entrance of the tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just like a man speaks to his friend. Moses returned to camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Why would I start with that? Because I realize I'm in a room with hungry, hungry believers. But what if there was one or two among us whose heart wasn't yet postured to receive the words of the Lord? You'd miss what God was trying to give you this day. We prayed, the pastors prayed, these men bring remarkable words. They're words straight from heaven. And I think the last conversation I had with Eric before our phones broke up, sometimes I drive through the mountains and it just breaks off the service. And uh, the last words he uttered before I seen um, him and his family in Chicago was, just bring a word from heaven and blank. <laughs> it went out. And so that's what we seek the Lord to do. That's what Pastor Nick and Pastor Nick, Pastor Eric, all the pastors, 
That's what we seek the Lord to do. And that's only half the battle. Because you got to sit. I have to stand. I have to receive. I have to hear these words. I try to think Moses is going to meet with God. And the people are waiting. They're actually waiting because they want to hear from God. Could we posture our hearts? Most of you are. But let's posture our hearts to receive that He might strengthen us and fill us with His Word that He has for us today. We are uh, Submission Ministries from Gainesville, Virginia, just outside of D.C. Uh, These men over here are with me. Um, I got uh, some disciples with us that we're so proud of. Many of you have poured into them at this altar. I couldn't thank you enough in my whole life for doing that. Um, I couldn't thank you enough. For this whole event. Uh, if you're with submission, stand up. Uh, you guys can sit down. I realize with my accent that sometimes I'm not clearly understood. I feel like I was missing some people. We're a family. We need to get this ingrained in us. You ready? If you're with submission, stand up. Now, I want to do that for all the churches, but time doesn't allow. But we mean that from the bottom of my heart, just like you mean that from the bottom of your heart. And if there's one thing I've watched over these last couple of years with the formation of all of this stuff that we're all learning how to do, my goodness. It's that this is my family. Every year we have a monstrous family reunion. We have the kind of worship services that are like being at the throne of God and they're with men who I know their battles. I know their, their hearts longing to reach the nations. How sweet is that? How sweet is that? Y'all can be seated. If you're with New Life Church, stand to your feet and shout out to God. Amen. You may be seated. I love the arising church in this community. I just got labeled as a big brother and now I stand up here and I tell you, it's, it's nice to be in a setting where you get to be a, a little brother. They, they see me as a peer and I see them as a peer and you guys are running in a way that sets a mighty example. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. It's such a beautiful example. And I love the, the fact that I get to stand here with you guys today. Amen. Amen. We love it too. You ready just to, just to hear from our hearts for a little bit? Yeah. I couldn't help but recap because it helps me. Because there's been a flow here that seems to, has, seems to have led directly to this word. As Pastor Eric talks about humanity's part in restoration. Brother Justin... And what preparation has to do with that restoration. 
than the guys last night, the restoration of the heart, those truths that you brought out. I hope you've recorded all of this so we could watch it. Yeah, it's so much that I want to just go back and watch for the next couple of months. Brother uh, Buddy this morning, restoration of the hope. Restoration of the hope. Wasn't that a good word, man? Restoration of the hope. Showed a picture up there of a of a rope being twined, uh, being woven together. I could, you could just, you can see that spiritually taking place in this room, where he's just winding us up. It's through hard times sometimes. It's through good times. Hopefully, a lot of times, but he's winding us up. I looked over at the King's Harvest Row. It's exactly what he's doing. He's winding you guys together. You'll pull a tugboat and won't budge an inch because he's winding you together. Brother Brent brought out a word, restoring the foundation. I thought about asking him to stop and just preach that one right now. It's a good word. I hope you get to go back and find it somewhere and listen to it. And it's led us to today, us sharing our heart concerning restoration. Can y'all go to Isaiah chapter 44 with me? Isaiah chapter number 44. I'll pick up reading in verse number 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb. I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself, spreading out the earth all alone, causing the omens of boasters to fail, making fools out of the diviners, causing wise men to draw back and and turning their knowledge into foolishness. Verse 26, confirming the word of his servant. Everybody say servant. And performing the purpose of his messengers. Say messengers. It is I who says to Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited. And the cities of Judah, they will be built. And I will raise up her ruins again. It is I who says to the depths of the sea, be dried up. And I'll make your rivers dry. It is I. Says of Cyprus, he is my shepherd. He will, he will perform all my desire. And he declares of Jerusalem, she will be built. And the temple, your foundation, a right foundation, right, Pastor Brent? A right foundation will be laid. We're interacting with some of these scriptures to see what the Lord would have for us to share to this body today. Since as long as I can remember starting to walk in the faith, the word redeemer has been the most precious word to me. So precious that that the Lord could buy back, could take back that which we feel like is lost and wasted. Anybody feel like that in this room? That it brings you a lot of joy to know that the Lord redeems and he buys back? 
how do we make sense of something this beautiful? He's beautiful. And the power of that word is what began to get my heart stirred up that Jesus is worth it. That His ways are perfect. His ways are always perfect. Restoration is not an easy process. Not at all. Many of the pastors have spoke towards that. Always think about some of the many scars that we have on our bodies. The best plastic surgeon on the planet can't make it look like it did the way God gave it to you. But yet our spirits redeemed, brought back and made better than ever. So what is this restoration? Six months or more ago when we talked on the telephone, all the pastors and all the scriptures that came out, it's, it, it should not be crazy at this point that almost everyone's scriptures out of Isaiah, it's, you would think that we'd not be amazed because he does it so much. But I'm amazed every time how everything collides and how he lines everything up. And Isaiah 44 was what we were wrestling through at that time. My Redeemer. And here's the, the simplicity of what I'm going to try to say today by the help of Almighty God. Is that God alone is the one who brings restoration. Amen. And He's raised up His creation to do it. Amen. And I... I'm hoping that in this room something could be stirred towards taking that staff in your hand and assuming that responsibility as your own like never before because he's going to bring restoration and he needs you. He needs you. I was in India just a couple of weeks ago. Eric and them have introduced me to one of the finest families on the planet. Amen. And if I could afford to fly the whole family there, I'd probably stay a lot longer. I love it. And I got the privilege to stand in front of pastors. It's a smaller room. It's 60 pastors. Uh, Ezekiel was with me. Matthew was with me. We're standing there. What do you say to men who've walked and hiked for many, many hours to stand in front of you and hear what you could teach them. I just want to say, you teach me. But we stood there, and, and this came to our attention as we're talking. So our, we've been studying through the book of Exodus, and this is some of the stuff that's going to come out here in just a few minutes. But I asked this question there, I'm going to ask it here. When God moves to bring deliverance, when he moves to restore, what does he do through the scriptures? He raises up men and women to bring it. Amen. So there's a slight delay because of translation. But we're speaking of their nation. And we say God wants to deliver the souls of this nation. He wants to restore. He wants to bring back. And he's raising up deliverers to do it. Amen. Are you one of those deliverers? 
So let me tell you about the setting, and India's setting is so different, and everything's so different. All of you guys that have been there from around, every, it's so different. And you wrestle through the insecurities of nobody's moving or making a single facial expression. I mean, it's, it's very intimidating. Like, Wade's at least smiling at me and nodding his head. Uh, but when I said that, I saw the... I, I saw something for the first time in those 60 men. I said, God wants to bring restoration. God wants to bring deliverance, but he's wanting to raise up people to carry it. Will you be one of those people? And there was a roar in that little chapel. There was a roar. They wanted to be them. They wanted the, the, the place is a mess. And the place is in need of deliverance. And they pray and they pray. And when the question's asked, do you want to be the one that brings the deliverance? There's a three-second delay for the translator, but then a roar. I've never seen that in India before. I've seen it here so much this weekend. That roar. I love it. So just to hear the roar again, just to hear it. I love hearing the roar in, in this church, brothers. And it's a roar that's going out to the nations. I'm so, so proud and honored to be a part of this place. God's bringing restoration and deliverance. He's raising up people to do it. Do you want to be one of those people? That's a war cry that you got to carry with you. You got to carry it with you because you might be sad and lonely on a foreign field at some point. You'll have to remember this moment. You'll have to remember it. You'll have to dig deep and you got to know I'm not alone. My family exists. My family is with me. The Brazos know they got a family in this place. The Vincents know they got a family in this place. Those guys and those with their families, they, they got a family to uphold them. And we will stand with them. Draw your attention to a couple things before I uh, try to make some sense of what I'm doing here. Verse 24, the Lord, your Redeemer, the one who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord. Just some things that came to my attention. You go home and wrestle with them. I'm just telling you how I wrestled with them. He says, I stretched out the heavens by myself. And uh, I spread out the earth all alone. It, it, the wonder of creation, it's something only God could do. And then here comes us. Here you are sitting in this seat today. And the purpose and the plan that God has to restore, redeem, and deliver, he is raising up. No doubt about it. He's raising up men and women in this room to carry that. And we just felt as we prayed that that little simple reminder to this body would be a prophetic word that would stir something up. He's raising us up. Let's go to Psalm chapter 51. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter number 3. <clears throat> Verse 
Exodus chapter number 3. Um, I'll pick up in verse number 10. Come now, I'll send you to Pharaoh that you'll bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I would go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Anybody ever felt like that even just a little bit? Who am I? And this response here, it, how you interact with the word at a, at a given time in your life, there's no shame in that. I should be a skilled scholar on Exodus 3, shouldn't I? Well, I'm interacting with this word and it's crushing me last month. In a good way. It's liberating me is a better uh, uh, verb now. Descriptor. It's a, it's a better way to describe what I'm feeling. That I'm being liberated because I'm catching hold of something that's loosing me for service. Never has been, never will be about us, but he wants to use us. He's teaching me that in such peculiar ways. We're trying to get some rezonings for a piece of land. This group knows all about that. King said, everybody knows all about that. So I want to be at meetings, not because I feel like I'm the man and I have anything articulate to say. The last meeting they called me up there, cold turkey. I, I, I don't even remember what came out of my mouth. You're supposed to announce what district you're from. I didn't do that. I didn't even use my legal name. You know, Zeke is just a nickname. My name's Ezekiel. And so we, um, we, uh, we're going through this process and finally they say the final date to see if you get the approval to build, send it to me. Send me the date. Well, I'm in the air to India. And we prayed. And we said, why? Justin Johnson pounded on this. It's obedience. What unlocks the merited favor of the unmerited favor of God? Obedience. Now, I would die before I canceled a trip to India. Amen. No doubt about it. But could we cancel the meeting was a different little discussion. And we thought, these guys are just as anointed to me to go stand and say, this is what the Lord is doing. Amen. So I found a little piece of Internet on the airplane that was free for two hours. Ezekiel and I were praying. We found some Internet. Then we got the text while flying over none other than the Black Sea. I got a picture of it on my telephone. <laughs> I went in and took a picture of it for you guys and for me. I'll be there. He takes care of his work. He'll take care of his work. He sent me across the country just to make sure that was embedded deep in my heart. Deep. So much he loves us. This is going to lead to something. <clears throat> it's, uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God at this mountain. And Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I'll say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. 
Now they may say to me, and by having an interaction with the Lord like that, we're trying to work out everything that could be said or every, everything that we could be tried with. What if, they, what if they say, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Study this dialogue out. See what God unearths to you. It's, it's profound. For now, we're going to focus on this phrase. I am who I am. And he said, thus shall, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. To go from that place of insecurity to authority. From insecurity to authority. And how? By taking on this new identity. And so we shall go to chapter number four. Is everybody okay? Is everybody tracking with me? Now we're in Exodus chapter number four. We've had this interaction. Now, verse number one, Moses said, what if they'll not believe me or listen to what I say? Uh, for they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord says this to him. What's in your hand? He said, a staff. What's in your hand? And he said, a staff. And I wonder, I just wonder, the Lord showing us this to affirm within us what he is actually doing and calling us to do it. Seems a little larger than life, right? Like reach the nations. Like all these babies you see around here doing this in 20, 30, 40 years that us, if we're alive, sitting over there saying, man, I'm so glad I got to lay my life down to watch this. What a privilege. What a privilege. And does anybody think sometimes, man, it's larger than life. We, we walk out of this room and we're wondering, I mean, that was an awesome weekend. Is God doing this? And I'm telling you, He is. He's, he's literally establishing this and pressing it deep into our souls. And I wonder if He's bringing out this word for us to come to grips with the power, responsibility, beauty of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob handing you a staff. I just wonder. I just wonder if he's trying to burn something into our soul so that when I'm in Virginia, I don't lose this. This begins to be all that consumes me, all that makes my heart beat, all of it. He's been shattering us with this word lately. And as we've been interacting with this word, there is some things that, that he showed us. And some things I want to bring out today. At perhaps maybe three different uh, groups 
of people or three different seasons of life or whatever word you want to put to it. I'm going to speak it and you be honest to examine your heart. Just be honest. It, it does nobody any good for us to lie even to our own selves. It does me no good. It does me absolutely no good. I, I want to be examining my heart truthfully so I can grasp what he's trying to give. You understand what I'm saying? I know some camps will be a little bigger than others in this room. But I know they all exist in this room. Regardless of age, regardless of title or responsibility, every season that, that we're about ready to talk about will exist in this room. So in Exodus chapter 4, we have God interacting with Moses. And even after chapter number 3, him saying, well, what if they will not listen to me? What if they not believe you? And then he says, what's in your hand? What's a staff? Somebody just shout out some words. Staff. Authority. Call. An identity. Testimony. Resources. What's he, what's he placing in our hands? Everybody look at your hands and ask yourself the question, what's in my hands? Now, I don't know the answer to that for you, but for me, I'm looking out. It's something Pastor Eric touched on this morning. We don't do this unless we do it together, period. We, we will not accomplish this unless we do this together. So all those things mentioned, we'll find it right here. Yeah. Encouragement. The encouragement. Anybody needing encouragement to take hold of that authority that God's given you? It's not prideful. He put the mantle on you, that authority to carry. Carry it as a humble man of God. Let's go to Psalms, and we're going to get to those three things and, and see where the Lord leads us. Um, the Spirit of God kind of just stirred a, a word up in Jake as he was praying uh, through this. He's going to grab this mic and, and feed our body a little bit. I... Um, I know every pastor in this room knows how beautiful it is to war with men that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt would die for you. Um, and this group's gotten a lot larger. That meeting at the coffee shop, man, what are we going to do in five more years? We'll have to meet like every week. Um, I'm just going to read Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within who? Me. Within me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors. 
your ways and sinners will be converted. He is the one who restores. He brings restoration. He's raising up people to bring restoration. And it starts in our own heart. It's got to start right here. These brothers preached on that. It starts right there. And its singular purpose is that you would go to the nations. That this is transformed. That this is renewed. That this is uh, restored. And then. And then. I want to read Galatians 6. And then I'm going to call Jake to the stage. Then we'll come back and talk about those three camps. Everybody ready to find out about them three camps? Uh, Galatians 6, 1. Think about the, the scripture from Psalms 51 we just read. And have that in your mind as, as you go after Galatians 6 here. Brothers, uh, if, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are what? <laughs> Got to keep that in mind. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. What's our responsibility? To restore. We, we know we have that responsibility. There's such an importance on the inward first. Miss Joe prophesied before um, the words were so powerful that, that, that get to that place of humility. And God's going to use your life. Stay in that place of humility. God will use your life. Amen. So it says, um, in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work. Then he will have reason for boasting and regarding, uh, have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another, for each one will bear his own load. Same thing in that scripture. You're supposed to bring restoration to your brother. And you look inward to look out as we get our hearts postured right. Philippians 2 was a scripture that, and you can come, uh, Jake, here, if you don't mind. Philippians 2 was a scripture that um, the Lord put on our hearts specifically, uh, mainly for the coffee shop meeting, just uh, the, uh, the pastors and elders and leaders, because the Lord was really been trying to impress on us what's our part to play in making this work. And it is, you come to serve. You come to give your life. You come to lay down your life for everyone else's vision, everyone else's call. That's how Jesus lived. Yeah. And Jesus lived that way and it prompted revival. Yeah. So this is so beautiful because we're watching revival. We are, we're watching it. We're walking it out. We're living it, guys. This is revival. And we're going to see it to the uttermost parts of the earth. So let me just testify that since the first moment of worship together with, with you all, there's been this devastatingly wonderful 
shrinking feeling. That after sometimes weeks or months of travailing and combing your own heart and working hard, which is wonderful, as Zeke is talking, making sure your heart is in the right spot, making sure you're humble before the Lord, but it turns into an unhealthy, what Matthew and I call navel-gazing. You're just stuck like this. Uh, the Puritans said that. I didn't. That's not mine. Um, which, which, which they loved to do. Um, but I was in here, and we're worshiping the first, first time together. And you realize the Lord saying, take comfort in the fact this is not about you at all. Don't forget that you're just one of many of my servants. And in no place but in a place of humility can that feel good. <laughs> so at first you go, and then you go, you're right. This is beautiful. Because if it was, I, we would just, we would fail miserably. And we, it's been covered over and over again. That's why we're all here together. Because if we don't do it together, we don't do it at all. <clears throat> so I just want to bring that to mind that, that we are one of many, you in the seat, you're one of many. Every, almost every song we sang this morning was we, our, us, our God. We come, we worship. It's, it's a communal thing. And, and Eric, uh, Pastor Eric said the very first sermon, talked about creation as a whole. The Lord, so, God so loved the cosmos. He loves you. He loves what you're a part of. He loves what we're a part of. And so as we, I, I want to read Haggai too. I, I was praying last week. Um... And just before the Lord, God, I, you got to just give me a word on this restoration. What do you want me to, to share? And, and man, that day in the middle of the work day, in the most mundane, uh, one of the most mundane moments of the day, he brings this scripture to me. <clears throat> we'll start in verse 2 of Haggai 2. We're going to read, I believe, verse 9. Everyone say there when you're there. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. That gets rid of the individual, doesn't it? Yeah. Declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. Stopping there, uh, Pastor Nick said last night, um, wouldn't it, shouldn't it have been enough for Jacob to, to hear that? The Lord says, I will go with you. All the other things that he didn't have or was losing out on. All he had to do was take hold of that one part that said, I'll go with you. And he says, be strong. Why? Why be strong? What reason do we have to be strong? Brother Ibrahim brought it this, or uh, not Ibrahim, my brother over here. I hate that I don't know your name right now. Um, Chris, yes. I will go with you. That's enough. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. 
and my spirit remains among you. I haven't left you yet. So don't fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. Everyone say all nations. And the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. And the Lord Almighty says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine. It's about Him, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. The Lord spoke so clearly he said restoration how many people go to restore something and they look at what they have don't look at what you have you need to go out i will shake the nations i will shake the nations the silver and the gold is mine it's going to come in but it's for the sake of the glory of his house for the sake of the glory of his house that we must be about restoring. Now, to go back where we started reading, he says, he gives a charge, he says, be strong, which we know together is kazakamats, right? Yeah. Everyone say kazakamats. He says, be strong. Would the Lord say, and this is leading up to what Zeke is going to uh, bring. Can the Lord rightfully say to you, are you ready to hear the words, be strong? Or is there some work that needs to be done before he can say, take this staff and be strong. I will go with you. Or is there something yet that must be done before you can hear those words? Because you might hear be strong and all of a sudden you're going to be strong on all of the props that you've set up for yourself. All of the fleshly props. And, and as Pastor Nick said as also last night, he said... Um, Talking about love and, and, and operating under a facade, not wanting to open up and be broken. We know that that's selfishness, but as a word that was shared in worship was, um, I will not share my glory with another. And if you will not be broken, the Lord is saying, you must be broken and be someone who's acceptable in my sight so I can say, be strong, and this is why. Because it is for the sake of the glory of my name, the glory of this house rests upon your preparation to be a restorer. You must be restored yourself so you can be a restorer. And if you withhold any, if you withhold your foot from any step of that process, you're saying his glory belongs to me, not him. He's going to shake the nations. The nations. He is a hard, our master is a hard man reaping where he has not sown. The nations all out there and he's saying, you are my servant. You know this. What are you going to do? You know I'm a hard man. He's our father. We're not slaves. But we know him and we know he's very serious about his glory. And it's coming in. And he's saying, I've commissioned you to do it. What are you going to do? Get your heart right so I can say, be strong, because it's for the sake of the glory of the latter house, for my name. The body of Jesus is at stake. Hallelujah.
Jake always digs up a good word. We've had some powerful altar calls in this place. Um, We're going to have one today, an altar call for commission. But I need to go through these three things so that when you arrive at this altar, you know how you're praying. None of them have to be viewed in a negative light because we're on our way to being ones who carry restoration. You understand what I'm saying? I only get to be with you guys because I packed my wife and two kids, threw them in a Jeep Cherokee, and just drove to Texas and asked God to show me someone. When I'm driving there, it feels like I'm going into the desert. Well, quite literally. <laughs> Felt like I was going into the desert. I did not know these guys. I'd never seen a website. I'd never seen anything. I literally took that beautiful blonde gal in the way back with all the six kids. We only had two at the time. And we jumped in a blue Jeep Cherokee that wasn't supposed to run then, and Jacob Braun's still driving it right now. It's worth shouting about, I guess. Um, and we just, we just took off. It felt like the desert. I, I stepped away from ministry, business, everything and it felt like the desert except you know what was really happening the Lord was leading me to the burning bush that's what happened it felt like the desert but he had called me but I wasn't ready and my pride didn't want to admit that so we drove to the desert so that we could get to the burning bush so that I could take a staff in my hand and dare to believe that God could use my life for something productive. Amen. How about your life? If we're in Acts chapter 7, I want to talk about a, a couple places that might find some in this room, this group, the ones taking the staff and walking in the authority, I bet that's a larger number. The one standing right before the burning bush, we could have a good number in here of that size. The ones who need to take a trip to the desert to be humbled just to get to the burning bush may be smaller in number, but you're important in this room. And you should not feel condemnation, you should feel liberation. That God would love you enough to take you to a desert to prepare you for His work. Acts chapter 7, I'm going to read Stephen's words. Everybody tracking with me okay? Yes. Acts chapter 7, verse 24. Um, We'll start at uh, 21, I'm sorry, we'll start at 21, after he had been set outside, uh, Pharaoh's daughter took him away, uh, nurtured him as her own son, Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power 
in words and deeds. When he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brothers, the sons of Israel. He saw one of them being treated unjustly. He defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed and struck, him and struck down the Egyptian. Verse 25, and he supposed that his brothers understood that God was granting them deliverance through him. But they did not understand. And we've been wrestling through this word in our church body. Asking the spirit of God to just grow us through it. As Moses was called and ordained and handpicked of God. And at 40 years old, thinks he's ready. And he's not. So he has to take a little trip. One that's full of humiliation, one that's full of confusion, one that's full of every insecurity that you have may surface. But I wonder, in a room this size, with this many men and women being raised up, if we're not all at the season where we're taking the staff, but we're in the season where he's saying, go to that place so I can humble you because... I want to take you to this burning bush. This burning bush where you get to see me face to face. Quite possibly the most humiliating season of my life. And without question to date, my favorite three years on the planet was right there. And it's worth it. The desert's worth it. In obedience, the desert's worth it. Because I want to be commissioned of God. Don't you? Yes. You want to carry deliverance? Yes. Maybe that number is small, but if it's you, if your heart's stinging, because you're examining your heart, and you're saying, I need to be humbled. I think I'm ready and I'm not. And I'm flexing my muscles. But my leaders are telling me those muscles aren't to be flexed. Maybe, maybe a few humble weeks, months, or years in that place will lead you to this bush that's on fire and your God is there face to face. The next group would be the ones who've come through that desert time and you're right before the fire. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Um, I really don't have much more to say and we'll do an altar call and worship together. Is that all right? Yes. <clears throat> Exodus chapter number 3. Um, I'll start with one. Moses was... Uh, Pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Everybody say, mountain of God. Mountain. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, 
The bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not being burned up. I know the ladies in this room were filled with a good word from Miss Jennifer on that. Kathleen's told me a little bit about it. I heard it was real good. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look. You reading that with me? The Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look. <clears throat> God called to him. Now we must not get lost in translation or lost in culture. Understand what I'm saying? God called to him. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Yahweh God. The God we worship and shout out to. He called to him. Does anybody feel really blessed to know that that's how our God works today? Oh, man. It's a blessing. God called to him from the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. It's been a lot of years. And he said, don't come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. If you're in this room, and you've had those years of humility, and they, they never end, by the way. But you've walked through that season and you know that God has got you standing right before that blazing bush. Take off your shoes and acknowledge His holiness. Amen. Acknowledge His holiness because He's fixing to prepare you for something. Kick off your shoes, get undignified. And understand His holiness, His holy ground. If that's your season, don't shy back from the next steps in whatever regard it is. These pastors in this room, I'm confident, are shepherding their young disciples and families straight to the presence of God. Seek them out in this last season. He's found in Exodus chapter number 4. He's, he's still wrestling with this. What if they're not going to listen to me? What if they won't believe what I'm saying? He says, look at what's in your hand. Let's go from that place of insecurity to that place of authority. And if that's you in this room, if that needs to be your declaration this day concerning your part to play and God's plan of restoration... That you grasp the beauty and the power of what he's saying. I'm trying to put this right in your hand. I'm placing this in your hand because I want to use your life. Your life. Amen. 
Let's go to the book of John, and this is where we'll kind of wind down uh, for this portion of today's services. I'm thrilled to hear my brother, Pastor Treister, bring the good word of the Lord. John chapter 6. When you read through the book of John, a lot of stuff comes to mind. Certainly, you have the life of Jesus, and, and he's showing his deity. He's showing that he's fully God. He's fully man. And, of course, the things Jesus is doing, he can do because he's God. Is that right? But it's just something so beautiful tucked away in here. The simplicity of it is profound. You ever heard that said before? John chapter 6, if you read that interaction in 26 through 51, we won't read all of that. But John chapter 6, 26 through 51, we have Jesus making a proclamation and he's saying, I'm the bread of life. Why is there such resistance when they hear something like this? He's walking in that authority. He's walking in the commission of who he is. They're talking about the bread that their fathers ate. The manna which came down from heaven. When I was reading that, I was thinking of the, the beauty of that type. And Jesus is just coming to say, and I'm the truth. I'm here. You eat of me. You'll never hunger. You'll never hunger. You go later in the chapter, you find out that people closest to him even oppose what he's saying here. Some of his own withdrew and didn't walk with him anymore. But what can we learn from the life of Jesus in this moment? As we're interacting with this word and, and contemplating these three seasons. At, are, we, are you Moses at 40 and you think you're ready, but he's saying, get humbled, be humbled, and let me take you to the burning bush. Are you right at the burning bush? And he says, get off your shoes. Take off your shoes. Acknowledge my holiness. Pursue righteousness and keep coming after me. Are you one that says, God, how am I going to do this? And he's saying, look at your hands. Look at what's in your hands. Look at what I've given you. And the greatest example of that, as every pastor pointed to, in every service we have, is none other than Jesus. Let's go to verse 35. Let's go to verse 35, and maybe the worship team can come back up, and we can get our hearts prepared to respond to God's call at this altar today. John chapter 6, I'm going to pick up reading in verse number 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he, he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Verse 38. 
Jesus himself saying this. I have come from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me. That of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise Him up on the last day. You got to examine your heart in this room, church. I know we're in a room absolutely filled with devoted lovers of Jesus. Filled with His Spirit, anointed to reach the nations. Some of you need to say, yes, that staff's in my hand. I'm going to run in that authority and that commission because he's anointed me for this. It's not me. It's him alive in me. And maybe some are before that burning bush. And let's kick off them shoes and acknowledge the holy ground and run after him. With a reckless abandon because he's, he's got you right there. I mean, you're right there face to face with the God of the universe. And he wants you to kick off your shoes and acknowledge that holiness. He's doing a work. But if you're in this place and you examine your own heart and you might need a few more months or years in the desert, I want you to truly be honest. And come to this altar and pray with us. Because it's not condemning. It's liberating. Because it's, you're going to get to approach the face of God. It's not condemning. My trip to Texas is my favorite three years on the planet, bar none. And it was my trip to the desert. But I might, have not to, I might have never been able to stand before a burning bush and hear God say, take off your shoes. At 40, I couldn't use you. You were too full of pride. Now you don't even think you can talk. And you're my man. Come and take my staff in your hand and I'll shake the world. I'll deliver my people. I'll bring restoration. Just examine your heart in this room. As we worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Thank you, mighty God, for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for the liberating power of your word. We need nothing crafty. We need your word. And we thank you, Father, in this place for men and women of God, pastors of God, who are consumed with one thing. And that is your presence, your word, your son. And we are thankful to consider ourselves among that number, that remnant number who will carry revival to the nations. Oh, intertwine our hearts together in this hour. We want to be a rope. We want to be a cord that is not easily broken. Weave us together, oh God. Consecrate us, oh God. As we examine our hearts, have your way. 
we love you and we thank you mighty jesus in jesus name we pray amen